Here at Mindfire, we have a model that we live by in order to ensure that we maximize the ROI we get from exhibiting at a conference. We believe we've won or lost by the time we get to a show based on the amount of pre-scheduled qualified meetings we set and locked for our team. Truth be told, we came up with this motto after spending hundreds and thousands of dollars and not getting the returns we wanted. We would go to a show, give it our all on the show floor, mix and mingle, talk to as many passerbys as possible, and still, we'd look at the revenue generated a few months later and we complained that it wasn't a good show. After returning from a show in 2018 fed up that the leads weren't good, we decided that it was time to stop complaining and time to start creating the outcome we wanted. We set out to create a trade show and event marketing playbook that we would absolutely ensure our success and deliver the revenue results we wanted. The system we have perfected over the last four years is bulletproof. Even if no people walk the exhibit hall, we are still set up for success based on the pre-scheduled locked meetings we have arranged prior to showing up. It's worked many times for us and we're on a mission to support others in implementing the same process so they never walk away hoping it'll generate ROI. It worked many times for us and we're on a mission to support others in implementing the same process so they never walk away, hoping it'll generate ROI. Join us to learn our secret trade show and event marketing program and even walk away with a brief that you can use to put these tactics into practice. Welcome everybody. We gather this community on a regular basis to discuss topics that are important to each of you as business owners, as leaders, marketing and sales professionals. And it's an hour session that is always focused on the things that are going to bring you value in today's rapidly changing world. And today is a discussion that I think is really salient given how the world has changed and how we are mostly reopened now that things are coming back into the swing of things. So we're talking about in-person events like trade shows, and other events like that where you have an opportunity as an organization to engage with potential customers and clients. And we're gonna dig into how the rules have changed, if you will, and how driving success from events like trade shows has some unique new opportunities that we wanna uncover and we wanna share with you. And there's a formula, a new strategy, if you will, that McKinsey, who I'm interviewing today, I'm gonna to introduce her, her just uh, in a moment here, a formula and a strategy that she's been able to see up close. And so in advance of the event, I solicited all of your questions. I have a couple hundred questions here for you, McKenzie, but I've tried to pare that down based on everything that the audience is interested in to extract from her how this somewhat counterintuitive process works. And so it's a process that's going to do a couple of things for you. One, I'm gonna dig into how this process um, allows you to leverage a modern marketing and communication plan that drives success for trade shows and other events like that. Secondly, we're going to dig into how this process allows you to pre-book meetings, preset meetings with high-value targets, high-value clients and prospects at the event so that you can close more business. This is one of the key strategies. And then thirdly, I'm going to pull out of McKinsey kind of the action plan that's required after the event in order to convert the meetings that you have at these shows into revenue. So McKinsey, I know you've prepared some visuals, but before we jump in, why don't we start by introducing yourself to the audience in case there are folks here who don't know who you are? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I was just looking at all the people here and 
Of course, there are familiar faces, but there's a lot of, or names, but there's a lot of names that I don't recognize. So I see some people here for the first time. Thank you for being here. Our goal with these sessions is always to bring you value. So hopefully you can leave with one or two pieces of information, as I call it, actionable tactics that you can bring back to your business to help drive revenue. So A, thank you for being here. A little bit about me, Dave, since you don't know me that well, <laughs> is I have been with Mindfire since 2011, so quite some time now, although many people that work here have been here even longer than me. I started out, and I'm going to talk about this as we get into the material a little bit more, but as you know, I started out really focusing on the sales development side of the house, helping our sales team with qualified opportunities and leads to drive pipeline and sales, and then got the opportunity to transition and move over into marketing. I actually remember being on a airplane with a previous team member of ours, Mary, and I said, oh, you know, I hope one day, and this is back in the beginning, I hope one day I can really oversee all of our marketing. So I got the opportunity to do that. And now I get to oversee all of our demand generation and sales. And so I kind of love the ability to have the combination of marketing and sales because sometimes there's a little turmoil though, which I'll talk about. So yeah, I'm just really excited to be here. And hopefully, like I said, I could share one or two things that are going to help people take all the stuff that they're doing and, and get some results from it. Wonderful. Thank you. And if you just jumped into the room, please say hello there in the chat. Please let us know that you're here. We're broadcasting on both Zoom and LinkedIn, and we have a little experiment here behind the scenes with Facebook. We're streaming behind the scenes as well. So please say hello. And with that introduction, Mackenzie, I'm going to jump into the questions that I prepared for you. You ready? Let's, let's go. Drum roll, please. <laughs> right. I know you've prepared uh, some visuals and other things that you're ready to share with the audience. So let's do this, Mackenzie. I want to kind of step back first and kind of set the stage for everyone. Let's talk about, if you can share for a moment, how this whole thing started. Take us back to the start, if you will, and kind of the impetus around why you started to dig into, gosh, there's got to be a different way to do this. Can you tell us that story? Yeah, absolutely. So you, you advance, people are going to see a quote, which I'm going to just talk a little bit about here. But as I started to allude to in the beginning, uh, my little intro there, you know, prior to the role that I am in now, I, as I said, had the opportunity to run marketing. And so in the beginning, you know, I said, I started from sales development. I went over to marketing. I really didn't know what to do. And I had this really emotional connection to trying to do the right thing, because again, started in the sales team, worked really closely with them and then saw, okay, we have an opportunity in marketing to help drive leads and sales. And so because I had that opportunity to work with the sales team, I really took this role and as a, you know, huge responsibility to make sure that we were able to actually drive leads and sales. I always say, you know, we don't get brownie points for doing the activity. Our goal is to actually drive, you know, results. And so if you think, if I kind of go back to that time and I think about, okay, I was in sales development, I'm now in marketing. And I thought about, okay, what are we doing in marketing, right? Our goal is to try to drive leads and sales. If you looked at all the different avenues that our leads came from, A, one of the areas, the biggest areas that we spent on marketing was trade shows and events. And so we were spending a lot of dollars there. And B, not only were we spending there, our leads were mostly relying on coming from there. You know, and so our sales team, it was a place where we would go, we'd exhibit, we want to do all this activity. And it wasn't just like we were there showing up and, you know, having this booth. It was great. Our leads really relied on the output and the results that we were going to come. And so you have to I take myself back. I take myself back there and you have to say, okay, I came from sales development. I'm into marketing. I know that we're spending the most marketing budget on trade show events and the, we're really relying on results. And so it was something where I felt really connected to trying to, you know, drive the biggest results. 
And I think the, you know, if anyone here has ever ran an exhibit booth and Dave, you know about this, there are so many things to do. There's, it's mostly centralized around focused on the aesthetics. So the backdrops, the collateral, the carpet, how big is the, you know, pieces under the carpet going to be for the cushion so that your feet aren't sore and all these different things. And so as I looked around at what other people were doing, because again, I was new to this. I saw everyone focused on driving people to the booth from the aisles. And so I sort of followed suit, right? I was like, okay, I'm going to spend all my attention on all those things I just, you know, I just mentioned. And then I would do a lot of what I call, you know, things that, that grab attention. And those are shiny objects, right? Giveaways and activities at the booth. And I remember doing themes. If you remember, we, I think it was a DMA. I want to say in San Diego, but I could be wrong where it was a whole Halloween. DMA. Yeah. And so I really would look around and see what other people are doing and said, okay, I'm going to do that too. And I started pouring our heart and soul into the aesthetics of the booth. And so as I did that, what I realized is that, wait a minute, we do all this work, right? We put all the aesthetics, this guy's looking at his watch and we wouldn't get the results that we wanted. So A, we're spending a lot of money. B, our team really relies on this. C, we're doing all the right things. And then D, crickets. Right. And we'd walk around and that looks like you're and we'd walk around the halls and we'd see all these people just doing the same things and, and no one's at the booth. And I remember thinking, OK, this is not going to work. And I don't know if, if anyone else does this, but when we come back for a trade show or we come back from a major event, we have these post-mortem sessions, a.k.a. a little session where we'd come together after the fact. Dave, you probably remember this for all of these. And we'd say, OK, what happened? And essentially what we'd start to say is, well, that show sucked. (laughs) We aren't getting results. And then the sales team would say, well, we don't really have leads. Like we need to, and we're saying on the marketing side, well, we need to recoup our spend. And the sales team's like, well, we didn't really get that many leads. And we started, I'm going to say blaming the show, right? People were in sessions. They weren't coming by the booth. And I said, you know, okay. So I noticed myself blaming other people. I realized that there's an issue here, right? And we're starting to say this show is responsible for our inability to create leads and revenue from a show, right? And if anyone knows me and Dave knows this, I am of the belief that we need to take accountability and try to own our own destiny because if we give up control of things that we can own, we're screwed, right? We weren't screwed from the beginning. And I'm just uh, curious then naturally, uh, Mac, I think after you describe that, I'm actually going back in my head and kind of replaying those scenarios. What happened from there? What did you do next? What did we do to kind of circumvent or get around that problem? Yeah. So after complaining for a while and saying X show sucked and blaming all those things, we kind of said, okay, we have to take responsibility. And then we had this, I'm going to call it kind of an aha moment where we're like, Okay, wait a second. So we do all this work before the show, we get to the show and the entire focus of the show is getting people out of, you can see these aisles and into your booth. Mm -hmm. And you know, my mom always said to me when I was younger, which is you can do something the right way and you can do something the wrong way. And both of those things take the same time. And I thought, okay, so we're not, it's not like we're not doing what we need to do, right? Or not doing activities. We were working, However, we just weren't getting results. And so somehow, I think it wasn't through a conversation, we're thinking about, well, where did we go wrong, right? We're doing the things, where did we go wrong? And we had, I don't remember if it was you or me, but we had this realization that, wait a minute, 
if we're waiting to the time that we get to the booth and we're relying on people walking down the aisles, we basically have no control. And wait, at that point, it's too late, right? Like, okay, we're going to get there. And at that point, it's just way too late. And so we completely had to reframe our thinking to say, wait a second, if we get there and we haven't done the things that we've done, we need to basically reframe that whole thing so that we can create our own destiny prior to getting to the show. And that's where that quote that we brought up on the screen comes from. So actually, if you want to just go back a few, I just want to revisit that for a second. And we now have a philosophy, which you can see here and you saw before, which is that for any trade show or event that we exhibit at and that we're spending money on and that we rely on sales and and revenue from, we have a philosophy that we believe we've won or lost by the time that we get to a show based on the amount of pre-scheduled qualified meetings we've set and locked for our team. And so this was the aha moment, right? Like we're not going to focus on getting people from the aisles into our booth, we're going to completely reframe and say, we're going to focus on getting people to our booth before we even get to the show. It's interesting, Mackenzie. I see a comment here from Scott saying that you, Mac, are strumming my pain with her fingers, singing my life story with her words, (laughs) killing me softly. So yeah, I think folks are definitely resonating with that. So now... What was the process or what was the framework specifically then? How did you decide to fix this? And what are the major steps that you recall us taking in order to address it? Yep, absolutely. So the overall objective was four things that we did and that we continue to do every single show. So again, we have this philosophy. We've come up with this motto that places accountability on us. It gives us the power to control our own destiny. And so the first thing that we did and that everyone needs to do prior to going to a show, which I know people feel like, well, how can we do that if we haven't gone? We don't know how many attendees we don't. Again, you need to take back ownership. Number one is get really clear on what your goal is. You know that saying, what what gets measured gets managed. And so mm-hmm. every single show, and, and this show that we first you know, did this on in our realization, we got really clear around a specific goal of locked meetings for each of the team members that was going to be there. So if it was a you, me, Mary, and Joe, as an example, if those four people were there, number one, create a specific goal based on the amount of time available. So you can see here on the screen, you look at the calendar, you figure out what's available in terms of time. And then you identify the total maximum meetings that you can lock. And you've got to give people room to be able to eat lunch and socialize with people, but figure out a goal and get really clear on the amount of high value prospect meetings that you're going to schedule. Let me just pause you on that first item there, Mac, because I see David Gardner here in the chat. Hey, David, how are you, man? David's saying this is brilliant and so simple. And I think that what you're talking about here, Mackenzie, as you're walking through these pieces of the framework, if you will, are things that are probably intuitive to you and first nature perhaps to us now that we've been through it, but it's easy to forget how many companies, many organizations simply don't take the time or haven't thought through the fact that doing this and then working backwards from those numbers can help them accomplish what you're describing, right? So I appreciate you sharing this. Didn't mean to interrupt you. Continue and kind of what were the major steps that we went through here? Yep. So number one, we got clear on the goal. You can see how we did that. And then the second thing is, well, how do we actually drive that? And so the Mm -hmm. second very key piece is that you have to run what we call pre-show marketing plays. So these are a set of programs, communication strategies, and tactics 
that enable you to A, get in front of people and B, result in locked meetings. So number one, figure out your goal. Number two, run pre-show marketing plays that enable you to drive the quantity of locked meetings that you've established in, in strategy one. Okay. I see Scott saying, this is right on. I've stopped doing trade shows because there's no ROI. When in reality, there's no plan. That's profound. Yes. I also see somebody on LinkedIn. Can you let me know who your, what your name is over there on LinkedIn? The question is, how do you set meetings if you don't have a pre-show list? Mackenzie, I've got that question coming up in a little bit. So let's hold that question, uh, whoever that is on LinkedIn. I'll get Mackenzie to answer that here in a moment. Perfect. So A, we got the goal. B, we're doing these pre-show marketing plays. C, then when you get to the show, there are a variety of really odd seeming but important during show plays that we run. Things that involve text messaging and formatting of the event invites. We have emails and it seems like, okay, wait a minute, you're there, right? You lock these meetings, they'd show up. It's in order to output the highest amount of people actually showing up to those locked meetings, there's a set of some odd plays that you run during the show, but we have mm -hmm. found that those are imperative to getting those people to actually show up and to yield in what we see as over 80% show up rate to those meetings. So that's the third thing during show plays. Okay. And then the last piece, and <laughs> this is also kind of counterintuitive because you think, okay, you spend all this money, you do all this activity. You go to the show, you spend time, and then you go home and it's like you completely, <laughs> there's amnesia about the event, right? You like move on to the next thing. And this is the piece that I really want people to remember. After you've done those three things, there are a set of post-show plays. So we've gone home and no, we don't forget what happened. We employ, you know, four or five specific tactics. And actually, Dave, you like this one. We have a motto for post-show, which is called no lead left behind. Amen, sister. Preach it. And so we employ these post-show pieces and tactics that allow us to take all that activity and those leads and turn them to sales. So Mac, you know me, I'm always about show me the money, show me the data, show me the results, right? So you walk through those four steps of the framework here. Talk a little about the results that you got that we got by following that process. Yeah. So, the, so I'm going to talk about results in two ways. So Number one is the amount of locked meetings. And then number two, okay, show me the money. What does that mean in terms of revenue? So that okay. first show that we tried this on, we outputted 55, 55 locked meetings before we got to the show. So that means all the people that came with us were literally scheduled back to back so that if no one walked by in the aisles, mm -hmm. which happens sadly, it doesn't matter. And you would start to see our booth had so many people and all those other booths that were sleeping or can, they were literally coming up to us saying, okay, this is ridiculous. How do you have these people there? So number one, 55 meetings. And then after that, if you look at the subsequent trade shows, it's the same thing. We basically have always hit the goal going back to step one in the framework. How much time do we have the maximum available time? How many meetings do we want to set? We have always accomplished the goal of setting this quantity of meetings. So that's the first piece. The second piece now revenue. So we do have a very specific revenue goal, actually two. Number one is we want to break even. So all the dollars that we put into the show, the flights, the booth, the sponsorship, we want to break even by the time that we leave the show. 
So that's why it's important that all those people that are locked are a not just you know looky loose, but they actually have to be high value prospects. I use that word a lot, but you don't want to just be setting meetings to set meetings, right? All those meetings you set have to be with viable high value opportunities. So goal one is break even by the time we leave the show, and with this process, we've been able to do that. So we leave the show not worried about the money that we've spent because we've already recouped that. So that's the first revenue achievement. The second is that within 90 days, our goal is to double our ROI. And in that first show, those 55 meetings allowed us to break even by the time we, we got to the show. Actually, in fact, in that first show, we sold a double digit, a, 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 a big, you know, what I would call a big opportunity before we even got to the show, which was because of the pre-show stuff. We broke even by the time we left the show and then we were able to double ROI within 90 days. So that's sort of the show me the money piece that we were able to achieve. So a couple points here, Mackenzie. So I don't know how 55 pre-booked meetings sounds to everyone. I want to hear from you. That was with two or three salespeople that were that we were booking meetings for at the event. So if you have 20 or if you have 200, and I'm exaggerating, I don't know who takes 200 salespeople, but maybe a company like HP might. But this scales to meet the number of sales executives, sales reps that you have at the events. Uh, Ryan is asking you, Mackenzie, and I think this is a good transition here. Ryan is saying, can you drill super specifically into the pre-show plays? I feel like that's the most important part of this webinar, and I don't want it to be glossed over, but maybe you are planning to come back to it, which we absolutely are intending to do. So why don't we transition right now, Mackenzie? I think mm -hmm. I now, I'm recalling that situation. You made me kind of relive some of the more <laughs> painful no we don't want to remember that because it wasn't a good feeling <laughs> yeah exactly i understand how this is different than what we were doing before and how you kind of came to this realization but i think um kind of like ryan a lot of people are thinking okay either you know what we already do marketing for our events how is this any different or more specifically what are the differences and how do you do this pre-show marketing in a way that's getting those meetings so can you talk us through that part of the process yeah. So first of all, before I do that, I just want to, someone had a comment here, which I think is really important. And that's, you know, do not pre-book without allowing time and flexibility into the schedule. So that's one of the oh, things, yeah. the comment came from Mike L. So Mike, that's absolutely it. When we look at the calendar, we identify the, what we call the maximum allowable meetings, which bakes in time for those ad hoc, you know, really serendipitous things that you have at the show where you meet this person or they walk up. So you're absolutely right. You do want to give attention to the people that are there. And we always have one, what we call floater. So one floater is available to take on any walk up. So that's a great point. I want to make sure that people say that. So Yes, let's transition there. And I think what I want to start with is that a lot of people, they say, okay, well, we're kind of already doing these things. Sure. And so I just want to talk about, you know, the right way, let's call it, or the, the activities that are yielding the highest output. So again, one of the things that I think is really important to note is that marketing is really hard within itself. I, I give all the marketing people credit because it takes such an enormous amount of time. And there's so many things, right? I started out talking about all the aesthetics with the booth and the cushions and all that kind of stuff. And so marketing is really hard and it takes a lot of time. And the first thing I would say for the people that say we're doing all this is look at what you're doing and ask yourself this one question. Are these inputs yielding A, the goal of locked meetings, and B, the revenue directly, not indirectly, not is our booth shiny, 
And then maybe someone will come and maybe we'll meet someone and maybe, no, no, no. I mean, are the activities you are doing yielding in these two very specific things, locked meetings and revenue. And so I think that's the first thing to keep in mind. The second thing, as Ryan said, well, what are the things that you're actually doing? So as I said, the pre-show marketing plays are meant to drive engagement, drive awareness, and then drive locked meetings. So I would break it into two different pieces. The first piece is, I'm going to call it marketing material that drives engagement. And actually, we have a playbook and a whole brief, which I'd be happy to describe. I know we have only a short amount of time here, but we definitely have a playbook that people can follow. Basically, Ryan, what it comes down to is thinking about your audience, figuring out what's important to them, meaning who are they, what's important to their business, what are they going to the show for, and then delivering them content or relevant information prior to the show to get them excited about meeting with you. That's number one. From there, you want to take all that activity and drive one-on-one conversation. So that's sort of the summary of the the pre-show marketing plays. And so, Mackenzie, this uh, playbook that outlines all of these plays, is that something that we want to make available to everyone? I I don't mean to put you on the spot, but is that (laughs) something after the event, if people are interested, can they ask for that? Yes. So that's totally fine. We have, we call it a playbook or a brief. It has all the steps, all the thing we do, all the things we do. And this is a tried and true playbook and brief that we use for every single show. So just let us know if you want that. We're happy to send it over. Obviously we'll take out all of our stuff so that you can use it as a template to, to drive your shows. So I think people are getting this and uh, we're happy to dive into all of these details. Please keep the questions coming. One of the things that I sense that people might be thinking right now as they listen to you talk about this, Mackenzie, is that this sounds like a lot of work and you mentioned that as well, right? So how can a busy marketing team possibly do all of this on their own? Or if it's a one person marketing team, how do you make this happen? And and what kind of work is required to actually get this done? Can you talk to us about that since you've experienced it firsthand? Yeah. So one of the things I always say is that, and I guess I say a lot of things is that marketing (laughs) is its own skill set, just like everything else, just like being a doctor, just like being a lawyer. Right. So the first thing is to realize that this stuff doesn't just poof magically happen. Mm -hmm. And that's important. And that means that as a business owner or as a, an executive who's figuring out, okay, how are we driving leads and sales? Marketing isn't going to happen by chance and it's not going to happen by luck. So if I think back into when I started into the marketing position, I remember coming to you, Dave, saying, we need these things that are going to help us be successful. We need the right tools. We need the right content. We we need the right people, right? Yep. And I had to get honest with myself about the fact that I alone and magic and serendipity wasn't going to yield results. So I always say another thing, your actions have to match your ambitions. If you have ambitions to go to a show and get these results, the things that you do need to match. So you either need to take the playbook that we're going to send you and follow it to a T and spend the time and energy to actually make it happen or work with someone who can actually, and Dave, you know, this, and maybe some of the people here know this as well. We started getting people coming to up our, coming to our booth saying, wait a minute, what's going on here? And that was another moment for us. We're like, wait, so we weren't doing this before, right? And now we're getting results, which was a huge aha moment for us. And this is not a, an intuitive process. So 
let's actually help others employ this. And so we actually started offering this to other people just because they were like, can you help us do this? Right. So either us or anyone, there's people out there who can support you. I would say get the people who can actually help you do this. And I want to make one note right here because we do obviously love the printer community. We work with them. I want to just kind of talk about printers right now. And Kevin, I know you're in the audience here. You will resonate with this because we actually spoke about this a few weeks ago at the last show. So if any organization, any of your clients are coming to you asking for all those things that I said I prepared, collateral for a show, tchotchkes for the booth, signage for the booth, business cards for the booth. If they're coming to you for those needs, take a step back and realize, okay, they're asking me for items that are going to prepare them for a trade show. And then think of me. Well, what is that person thinking of? They're going to a trade show. They're spending a lot of money. They're asking us for these things that are going to support them at the show. And now knowing our story, you know that there's an opportunity to help them, right? Because they want to get ROI. They are pressured to going there and getting sales and probably their revenue depends on it. So for printers, agencies, marketing services providers, this is your opportunity to expand what you offer to them by asking this one question. Okay, so you're using these for a trade show, is that right? What sort of pre-show, during show and post-show, again, going off the framework I just taught you, what sort of pre-show, during show and post-show marketing programs are you running to drive appointments and to drive revenue and then be quiet. And so just to be clear, Mackenzie, those four steps to the process that you're articulating here, number one, identify the goal and create the brief that you're describing. And you're going to, uh, we're going to send an example to everyone who's interested. Second, running what you're calling the pre-show plays. Third, running a series of plays that happen during the event Correct. Mm -hmm. And then fourthly, the post-show plays. After. Am I hearing you correctly? Yep. Okay. Exactly. And so now I'm I... telling the printers, and Jason, this one's for you. I'm telling all the printers, agencies, anyone who's supporting exhibitors or corporate marketers who are exhibiting at a show, who are coming to them for items, which give you the indication that they're exhibiting, just ask them this. We're super, or say this to them. We're super excited to be providing you the collateral, the business cards, the signage, whatever that they're, you know, fill in the blank there. My question is, what are you doing in terms of pre-show, during show, and post-show marketing programs that are going to enable you to make sure that you have meetings at the show and generate the leads and sales that you want in terms of ROI? And just be quiet. Ask that question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I see Bonnie saying here, and, and, and Bonnie, let me get to your question here in just a moment for Mackenzie. She's on LinkedIn. She's saying, what's your advice if you don't have enough time to do the pre-planning? How do you get the right people at the conference? So let me use Bonnie's question actually to get to a, a set of questions that I saw fairly often in the registration. And that is, how do you figure out who to target and who to preset these meetings with? How do you get that data? I know sh some shows give it to you, some shows don't. So how do you find that information and help us understand how you thought through that part of the process and how you mechanize that so that it was repeatable for other shows. Yeah. So this is one, and I feel like if there was one piece that blocked us from doing this the first time, mm. it was that mm -hmm. question. It was, okay, I'm all excited about this. I want meetings. I want revenue, but who do we get in front of? And I'd say that's one of the pieces, and I'm happy that it came up with the questions. That's one of the pieces that had we have 
played into that, we may not have discovered this process. So Bonnie and everyone else who asked, great question. As I think back to that time, I think one of the things that we, again, going back to how I was feeling in that moment, one of the things that we say is, okay, there's this trade show. We don't know. It's out of our control. We don't know who's going, right? Again, placing the responsibility and the accountability on the other side. And I said, well, what can we do? And I asked I ask myself, what do I know, right? So one of the things that people do, and, and if you ever have exhibited at trade shows, you know this, it's only your first time at that show one time. I'm going to repeat that again. It's only your first show, time at that show one time. So if it was DMA, as an example, the first time we went, yeah, it was the first time we didn't know the tricks of the trade. We didn't know who was going to be there, right? But after that, you had been before. And I know there's a picture in here somewhere, but there's a stack of business cards, right? If you went to a trade show and you didn't come back with a stack of business cards, I just can't, I, I, I find that hard to believe. So the first thing I'm gonna say is go back to all of the business cards or the leads that you had collected from any previous show, right? Take all those business cards and start to collect them in a pile. I know this is gonna sound crazy, but if you've been to the show before and you've got business cards, most people, just like exhibitors, the attendees are repeat offenders. And unless you have some incredible sales process where you close 100% of the people that you met at previous year's shows, which if you do, call me up because I want your secrets, that means that you have a lot of business cards of people that actually may have seen you stop by our booth that you knew about that didn't end up closing and resulting in a sale, which means that's your first place to look. So number one, go gather all the previous business cards from that show. I will give one tip. If it is your first show, this is going to say, you sound like a you know really easy thing. Ask the people who put on the show, hey, is it possible that we get a list of the attendees? If they say no, say, okay, what about the, what about just the companies that are coming there? Most of the time, they will provide you some guidance, either in the form of a spreadsheet or a list. And worst case scenario, I'm going to give you my, my secret tip. When trade show organizations are getting people to exhibit, they typically have a media kit. The media kit says who's coming, what's the breakdown of demographics, what are some of the types of companies, and here are last year's attendees. So just to, to re redo this, number one, look at any, if you have been at the show before, look at any of the business cards that you've collected from previous years, not just you, but anyone who's been. Get them all, yes, it's time consuming, but again, your ability to get in front of those people drives your ability to lock appointments, drives your ability to create your own destiny in terms of revenue. So number one, it's annoying, but get all those business cards and centralize them in a spreadsheet. Number two, ask the trade show for a list. Number three, check the media kit. Number four, look at the website. Number five, all that fails, ask them, hey, we're exhibiting at the show for the first time, or hey, we're coming back to the show again, and we haven't gotten the revenue we want. Is it possible you give us a list of the previous show's attendees so we can make sure that we're targeting the right people with our marketing messaging and all that? Again, the people who are putting on the show, they really want you to succeed because you're not going to spend tens of thousands of hundreds of thousands of dollars or even millions exhibiting at a show if you don't get results after a while, kind of like us. So I think it's important to remember that they are on your side.
So two, two other things, Mackenzie, I want to ask you about here. Uh, number one, I remember using social and air cover at the event in kind of yeah. a odd way, if you could talk about that. And second, I also recall a strategy you put in place that basically consisted of looking at who the prospects and clients were within like a hundred or 150 mile radius of that location yep. and then actually bringing them to the event to meet with them there. So if you talk about those two things and how that helps you create meetings at the event. Yep, absolutely. So the first thing you talked about is what we call social air cover. So if you're going to a conference, you know exactly where that conference is. I think the one that he's speaking about specifically, it was in Vegas, but nope. we actually, it was the first time we were there. We didn't know who was there and it was an industry outside of ours. It wasn't our bread and butter industry. So we really didn't know people and we didn't know what to expect. And so all of those things that I told you failed. And so what we did is we used Facebook, I believe it was Facebook ads targeted at specific people that fit the demographic and had interests of the people that were going to the show, marketing related or whatever it was, targeted to the vicinity around that area. So we targeted the people in Vegas in this area. So that means that literally people, which is funny because there's some other funny stories there we can tell you about, people that were in Vegas that had these interests we didn't know if they were for sure at the show, but you can deduce from where they are, the interests that they have. We would, in front of them, put an, an ad. Actually, we used our picture saying, hey, if you are at, I think it was LeedsCon, but I'm not sure. If you are I at LeedsCon, so. come to our booth and we will you know, give you whatever. I think it was some sort of giveaway. So when all else fails, remember that you can use social media and target people specifically based on interest and location to drive them to your booth. So that's the first thing you talked about. What was the second? The second was, I recall a play that involved looking at companies that were around 100 to 150 miles away from the location. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is, I'd say, one of the our secret sauce things that works really well is we'd look in our database. So we have a database of all the leads and people, you know, our current clients of ours, because, you know, when you go to a show, I do want to say it's not just about getting new business. It's as equally important to focus on the clients that are there so that you can really strengthen and deepen those relationships, right? The more FaceTime you get with customers, the better. And so what we do and what we did this first time, and, and by the way, if you think back, our team thought we were out of our mind. Okay. So this is something that sounds a little bit odd. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds odd, but just go with me here. Go into your database and look at all of the contacts and accounts that fall within X rate miles radius. I think we do 50 miles radius. Sometimes we expand it to hundred miles, but basically mm -hmm. identify anyone that, you know, either a prospect or a customer in your whole database that's within 50 or 100 miles of where that event is. So as an example, if the trade show was in San Diego, we'd look at all the people and companies that we have in our database that are in San Diego and Orange County, in LA and Anaheim, basically all the neighboring cities. And then we would say, hey, we're going to X conference. Are you going to be there? And a lot of times they weren't. And a lot of times they'd say, well, should I be there? Right. And they would actually end up coming to the show or scheduling a meeting, you know, for a breakfast or whatever it is. And so that's a tactic that works really well because ultimately, again, ownership of the outcome. 
you don't have a list or you're not sure who they are, find the people within a close vicinity and get them there and create that, that meeting for you. So let me ask you on LinkedIn and over here in Zoom, what's standing out? What's making sense to you that McKinsey is saying? Take a moment, think about that and drop it into the chat here in Zoom or in LinkedIn. And while everyone is doing that, McKinsey, I know that you have some visuals in the deck that I have here. Are there any specific items that you wanna show everybody before we get into their real-time questions? Let yeah, me so I want here you want me to bring up. Yeah, I want you to bring up, which is a complete mind shift, slide number 10 about the time allocation. Yes, you got it. The percentages. Here we go. All right. So essentially what I've prepared for you here is how we did it the old way and how we do it in the new way. So in our old way, when we thought about where's our time allocation, where are we as an organization and team spending our time as it relates to the event, the pre-show activities, which again, we're focused on what I'm going to call the tactical, logistical things. So the booth stuff that made up around 30% of our time. So mostly me, right? Focused on the booth, the collateral, the cushion, the carpet, the electric, all that kind of stuff. We then viewed the time that we were at the show, meaning the time that we were there as the most heavily weighted activity. So we assigned 55% or we looked at our time and we said, what was the percentage breakdown? That was 55% of our total time spent on the show. And this makes me really sad, but we leave the show and we think we did it all, right? We did the pre-show, we got it there. We went to the show, it's done. And now really the post-show was just a measly 15%, right? We didn't really put that much weight on it. So that was the old way. Now it's completely different. So right now, 50% of our time is focused on pre-show activities. Okay, so that's getting people, that's A, figuring out our goal, and then number two, getting people to locked high-value meetings. That's 50% of our time. That's putting all those pre-show marketing plays into action. And I do see a question which I want to address, which is how far before the event should you start marketing? So this is going to sound crazy, but my goal for you is to plan as much in advance as you can. I would say, and now, and we've done it in shorter, but I would say if you have a show in six months, now is the time. And I know it sounds like, okay, six months from now, but again, you're not just viewing this as the show. The show itself is only a small percentage of the time. If you could just bring that up one more time, the show in our new way is only 15% of the time. The pre-show and the post-show make up 85% of the activity. So you wanna start early, let's call it six months in advance. You wanna do all those things to get locked appointments, get to the show, you're there for that time, it's only 15. And then the post-show plays to make sure that there is no lead left behind and drive revenue from it are the most important pieces. So that's something that I think is sort of a mental shift because people typically, when we ask them, they focus most of their attention on the actual activity of the Absolutely. show. Yep. hundred percent. Well, Mackenzie, I want to get into the questions that everybody's been throwing in. I want to make sure that we answer every question. Folks, if you feel like we've glossed over any specific aspect, please ask, drop it in Zoom, drop it in LinkedIn. We want to be as specific as possible. Before I get to your questions, though, is everybody getting value from what Mackenzie is sharing here? Drop a one in the chat if you're getting value. Drop a one in LinkedIn. Drop a one in Zoom. I want to see those ones coming in. 
I see some people snooping on us behind the scenes here on Facebook, Mackenzie. Rick Ayers, our good friend, is saying hello ah. over there. Yeah, Rick, I wish you were here, but it looks like you're talking to Craig here in a few moments, so that's good. I'm seeing the ones <laughs> pouring in here. Fantastic, folks. I'm glad. Thank you, Mackenzie, for sharing all of this. I want to know what questions you have here. Uh, David Gardner is saying that what stands out to him is creating the pre-show, during-show, and post-show plan and executing around that. So Jason W., thank you for the question. He says, I love the extreme ownership taken over the process. How do you delegate responsibilities to do all these plays before and during a show? Do you have teams established for this? Okay. Nice. So great question. I love that. And I love that extreme ownership. So the answer is yes. It's going to sound crazy, but we essentially identify a tiger team or a core team of people that are going to make sure to do this sort of guerrilla marketing effort. Typically involves someone in marketing. It involves sales. If you have any sales dev or inside sales reps that typically support the sales process, you want to involve them. Ideally, again, marketing person, sales team, and some sort of inside sales or a sales development rep. But again, if you don't have those people, I don't want that to be an excuse for you. I want you to realize that there's other resources. So like I said earlier, we do provide this as a service. There are other organizations. Some of these printers that are in the room are going to soon be offering this as a service. If you don't have those resources, we're all here to support one another. I'd say find a partner, a team that can support you and have them, as I say, lend an extra set of hands so that you can get this done. So if you have the internal resources, amazing. Get the playbook, follow the plays put it into practice, drive those meetings and revenue. If you don't, again, take ownership, find a partner, someone like us, we can connect you with someone, your printer, your agency, whatever it is, feel free to just reach out and we can figure out who the best person to support you in Asana. So Jason, the other thing I would say that I've noticed that McKenzie uh, does well with her staff and the team that, that support this whole process is a daily stand-up. And I'm sure you've all heard that, right? You've heard that term daily stand-up before. We, we employ stand-ups in a lot of different areas within our organization. And they're literally, uh, they should be stand-up meetings where everyone's standing, keeps people from going on too long and, and rambling. But the daily stand-up is really important, especially leading up to the event. And there's a sequence of activities and an agenda that I've watched McKenzie and others employ that helps with that extreme ownership and helps keep everybody clear around who's doing what, what intel is being gathered, because as you know, things change, right? You learn something new, you hear a new attendees coming, you're able to share that information in real time with others on the team, and that creates a, a volume of activity and, an, and a momentum that really becomes its own force kind of to be reckoned with. So Jason, that would be the other strategy that I would suggest to you as a way to create extreme ownership over the process. So Mac, does that make sense to you? It does. I like that. We're going to coin that. Make sure you monitor. All right. Use that. Yeah, let's see. Jason saying thank you. I can't wait to see the playbook. This was great. Thanks again. Wonderful. I, I'm glad you got value from it, Jason. I see Scott also saying I'd love to get the playbook. And Mark Spears on the Mindfire team is going to take that on as well uh, to get, get you that. All right, Mackenzie, do you have any questions for the audience as they're dropping in their comments for us here? I don't, but I do have a request that once you either get the playbook or we talk and you put this into practice, I want to hear how this translates into leads and revenue for your business. I just think, you know, especially now with all the things that are going on, we all kind of have to support one another. And now yes. I mean, we actually, as you know, Dave, we just went to our first trade show for the first time since 2019 and it was so fun. And it was really exciting to put this, you know, playbook into practice that again, we, when we discussed 
after we discovered this, we'd been doing it a few times a year for every trade show week. So we kind of had it down. And actually we named the brief for this one, this first one in a few years, I think we called it the return because it was our first show that we were returning. So I want to see how this translates into success for you. If you have any questions, like I said, please don't hesitate to reach out. We're an open book into what we do, how we do it, and would love to support you in that journey. So just really thank you for being here and, and excited about hearing your results. Arnell says you did a, you guys did a fantastic job, a great job providing a great oh. info for future shows. I learned a lot. Arnell, remind me what company are you with? I would like to uh, be able to give you a little airtime there. Mark is saying focus on the whole process both before and after the event. That's absolutely right, Mark. Uh, Arnell is also with Konica Minolta. All right, fantastic. Very good. Alfred is saying, hello, David. Unfortunately, I'm late to the broadcast, but would appreciate the playbook. Okay, no problem, Alfred. We will get that over to you as well. All right, Mackenzie, I think this brings us to the end of our time together. I appreciate everybody being here. Look, we're investing heavily in bringing this community together, bringing all of you and more together on a very regular basis, especially as we move into the rest of the year. We're bringing speakers, we're bringing experts, we're bringing uh, divergent points of view to help everybody here, printers and agencies and your customers understand how to tackle this new world that we live in. And uh, we're very happy to bring all of you together. And it's an honor to be able to do that on a weekly basis or thereabouts. So Francois, thank you for that. Kevin, I see saying thanks, David McKenzie. Please keep me on the list. Awesome. Great info as always. I'm getting the thank yous coming in. McKenzie, I'll give you the final word and then we will close. All right. Well, go make it a great day and make sure that you remember that you have the power to dictate the outcomes that you want for yourself and for your business. So take that, as Jason said, extreme ownership and go out into the world and and make it a success. So thank you for being here. Have a great day and talk to you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye bye. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode really quick. I just wanted to let you know we've just opened up a texting community, which means that you can text me questions right now. And I'm spending anywhere between 10 to 30 minutes a day answering questions from people like you that are listening to the podcast. So I want you to stop and pull out your phone right now and text me at 949-506-5835. Or if you're listening to us right now on a podcast player, let's say on your phone, maybe you're going for a run or going on a walk, you can go to the description of this podcast right now, go click on it. And my team has put the number and a link that you can click on to make the process even easier for you to text me, okay? So look at that or write it down, 949-506-5835. And when you text me, just say, hello, Dave. It's, you know, whatever your name is, and it will add you to my phone. And then it's going to shoot you back a message where you can add me to your phone and we can then talk from that point forward, okay? I'm going to be giving away tips, links to live interviews, free stuff, quotes, frameworks, training links, only things that you can get through this texting platform. And also something specific for our friends in the print and agency community. You know, we come across leads all the time for print work and agency work, things that as a software company, you know, we just don't do. But I think many of you probably want to know about those things. And we come across these leads in places that you're probably not frequenting. So if you want to be able to get those leads, I also send those through text to this community. So if that's helpful to you, pull out your phone, text me at 949-506-5835. Or like I said, if you're listening on a podcast player on your phone, you can go to the description. My team has put the number as well as a link that I think you can click and it'll make it even easier for you to text me. I can't wait to hear from you. See you later. Bye-bye.